You're listening to episode 36 of Fearless Rebel Radio. Today I'm interviewing Julie Kelly, all around stuff to do with having a baby and body image before and after a baby and self-care as a new mom. So we are going to talk all about the BS about body after baby. We'll talk about body image before and after pregnancy and navigating self-care as a new mom. So if you are a woman with kids, then you definitely want to listen to this episode. And even if you're not, I think that you will still love a lot of what we chat about. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab my free ebook with 10 rules to break to help you ditch dieting and love your body. And you'll also get access to my free 10 day body confidence makeover. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in fearless rebel radio, baby. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with Fearless Rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, I'm really excited about my guest here today. Today I have Julie Kelly, who is the co-founder at Nourish Balance Thrive, and we're going to be talking all about pregnancy and that whole process in your body and what it means to have a baby and all that all that fun stuff that I don't think we've really talked about on the show before. So let me introduce you to Julie. As a food scientist, Julie's passion for all things edible started back in her college days at Cal Poly San Luis Obisco. Abis- Abispo. I can never say that word. <laughs> as long as you don't say abysmal, that's great. Abys- yeah. I know when I was in Santa Barbara that, you know, I kept seeing advertising advertisements for things in San Luis Obispo. And and so Mm -hmm. I kind of know how it's pronounced. (laughs) So I didn't butcher it too much. Cooking for friends while studying food systems and safety ingrained a drive to help people find their way with food. After working towards a master's in dairy science, working in the corporate food world and then the management consulting world, Julie met Chris, fell in love over bikes and food, and eventually opted for a more meaningful career as mom to their daughter, Ivy, and a consultant which with Nourish Balance Thrive. Julie loves both the scientific and human side of NBT. She looks forward to working with women and families to sort out their dietary, immune, and hormonal challenges. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. My my whole entire bio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, before we get started, I'm sure there's more to it. (laughs) Why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about your your story and how you got to where you are today? Sure, sure. So um, I guess the best thing is to say what Nourish Balance Thrive is, and that's um, a functional medicine practice that my husband and I started a little over 
oh gosh, almost, we're almost at two years now. So, um, and we started it because my husband was really sick. And what I mean by sick is he, he was suffering from a number of, of kind of chronic health issues that a lot of people suffer from, but they don't really know they're suffering from because they just think they're normal, right? Because they're things that everybody, that they're common. So everyone thinks it's kind of normal. And it was just kind of through the process of him finding health that we discovered kind of the approach of functional medicine and decided that, you know, this was something that more people needed to know about, um, especially athletes, because we're both athletes and my husband's a professional mountain biker as well as a computer scientist. And um, we just said, you know, this is a really big deal because there's a lot of people suffering and a lot of people need help and a lot of people aren't getting the help that they need from their conventional doctors. And so we uh, started a functional medicine practice. We got certified and figured it out and my husband quit his job and here we are um, two years later and, it, and it's really great. But um, my background, like you said, is um, food science and, and food and all things kind of cooking and that kind of related. And that was a huge part of my husband's kind of um, road to health was how we kind of used, you know, cleaned up our diet and fixed things, um, you know, making it the the most healthy that we could possibly make it, taking out anything that was inflammatory, anything that was allergenic, anything that was going to cause him more problems. And that was probably about 50 to 75% of his healing. Mm -hmm. And then the functional medicine testing made up that last, you know, 25%. So, um, that's kind of how we got here. Um, I never thought that this was what I would be doing. I don't think, um, you know, my background isn't specifically nutrition. So I kind of have a different approach than I think a lot of people that come to us, a lot of clients, especially women are a little apprehensive to set up an appointment with me because they think I'm going to be kind of like a dietitian or a nutritionist, but that's not my background at all, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, what I, what I've studied is kind of more about how food was made and, you know, in, in terms of like processing and how food is put together and, and sold and all of that kind of stuff and also food safety and, and that kind of thing. So, um, more so <laughs> what I do is I, I help people kind of figure out their relationship with food, figure out, um, just kind of navigate their life with food and, uh, you know, figure out the best kind of mix of a diet to, to kind of really fit with their lifestyle and also achieve some really specific health goals. So, um, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, yeah. And you, so you obviously have a, a baby or is it a child now? How old's your, she's, uh, she's your 19 months. She's, oh, okay. she's teetering on like full blown toddlerhood. Yeah, fun <laughs> <So>. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's closer to two than one. Um, so I feel, feel kind of sad right now <laughs> in that transitional phase where mm -hmm. she's losing her babyhood. But yeah, that was, um, that's been another really interesting kind of wild part of this is that, um, you know, as my, as I was helping my husband get better, I kind of discovered a new level of health on accident. Right. So we, we changed our diet like almost a hundred percent. I changed mine specifically a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I lost a bunch of weight. I didn't need to lose, or I didn't, not that I didn't need to do that. I didn't know I needed to lose that I, or that I had to lose. And, um, you know, lots of problems that I'd had for a long time, all of a sudden just vanished. Right. So I had had, you know, consistent issues with PMS. I'd had adult acne. I'd had, um, you know, really bad migraines for as long, like my whole adult life in, in most of my teenage life. And so, you know, just by making some of those changes, I, I had relief of all of these things. And I just thought, wow, if this is possible, what else is possible? And um, lo and behold, about probably about eight months after um, my husband was getting better and we kind of embarked on this new kind of journey towards health, I got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just felt really lucky that I had made this transition before I got pregnant. And now, you know, almost two years later, it's been really interesting watching how a pregnancy and then recovering from a pregnancy and raising a, you know, raising a a daughter has been affected by all of the, the positive kind of lifestyle changes that we made before I got right before I got pregnant. Um, it's been, it's been pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah, that's so great. And for people who don't know, because I know you keep mentioning functional medicine. Sure, yeah. How would you sort of describe that to somebody who perhaps hasn't heard of that before, doesn't exactly yeah, know what it no, is? Yeah, that's really great. I'm glad that you said that because, yeah, we get in our little bubble and we forget that not everybody Yeah, not everybody does. Um, so I think the best way to, to think about it is just um, it's kind of, if you think about health on a spectrum, when we get sick or we present with symptoms, that's kind of where... Um, you know, conventional medicine kicks in. You know, when we, we when we present with symptoms, we'll go to the doctor. We'll say, "This is wrong with me. I don't feel well. I'm not sleeping, et cetera, et cetera." And typically, the Western medicine approach or the conventional medicine approach is, "Oh, this is your symptom. Here's your prescription. Let me treat this symptom." Well, functional medicine aims to kind of treat you before the symptoms arise. But if the symptom has arisen, the goal is to really try to get to the root of the problem as opposed to just trying to treat the symptom. So we take a much more a broad approach where we look at kind of the whole body using, uh, you know, really interesting tests that use, um, there's a urine test, there's a, we can look at blood work, we also look at a stool test, and there's a saliva test as well. So we kind of take a whole snapshot of the, all three body systems or the majority of the body systems and say, okay, what's going on right now? Let's take a holistic approach looking at what's going on, what's not working with, within the body, and we'll go from there. So instead of you coming to me and saying you can't sleep and I'm giving you Ambien, I say, well, you know, what are you eating? Are you providing enough time to sleep? Are you... Um, are you making sure you're avoiding, you know, bright lights at night? So we, we look at a lot more than just the symptoms. In fact, a lot of times, you know, we tell people it's not we're ignoring your symptoms. It's just that um, the symptom is a, is the smoke and it's not the fire. There's a reason you're not sleeping and we need to figure it out. Or there's a reason that, you know, you've tried all these, a lot of things, you know, you've, you've tried changing your diet and that's helped a little bit. Maybe you are sleeping. Maybe you, um, you know, you are doing all of these things to protect your circadian rhythm and you're still having issues. Um, we need to figure out why that is. And that's kind of, you know, the name functional medicine comes from literally, um, one of the the pioneers of functional medicine termed the phrase, you know, as opposed to dysfunctional medicine, which is, he was referring to conventional medicine, Mm -hmm. um, and their approach being, you know, you have a symptom, let me cure that symptom. But oftentimes we've got lots of symptoms or our symptoms don't necessarily correlate to the real root of the problem. So that's what we do is we really take it seriously looking at these tests and um, kind of uncovering things like hidden gut infections, uh, nutrient deficiencies, adrenal dysfunction. A lot of your listeners may have heard by now about adrenal fatigue. Oh, that's yeah. one of the things we look for. I'm sure lots of people are talking about that now. Um, and so that's what we're looking for. And then our approach is to take those test results and create kind of a, a supplemental protocol. So, so supplements, but also we're really um, big on a lot of the lifestyle things. So we look at how well you're sleeping. We look at um, you know what you're eating and try to just optimize for for really dense nutrition. So 
just making sure that um, we're taking every opportunity to get all the micronutrients we need, optimizing macronutrient ratios for, you know, level of activity. Like I said, we work with a lot of athletes, so that can become really important um, for performance reasons. Um, And, you know, also working on things that are sometimes really foreign to people like meditation um, and managing blood glucose. So that's one of the first interventions we make with a lot of people is just making sure that our blood glucose is stable. Um, And sometimes that's all it takes. And Mm -hmm. so um, those are kind of the tenets of of functional medicine, especially with our approach. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because I think with women, and this kind of will draw us back into the realm of, of pregnancy and everything, we can go back down that road. Um, yeah. I don't want to stray too far from it. But with women, will come to us and they will either, um, some a lot of times they'll come and they're, they're trying to get pregnant or they've had a really difficult time with fertility or they've already had a couple of kids and they're really burnt out. Um, and functional medicine is a great approach because, it, like I said, it takes care of kind of the whole body as opposed to just looking at a you know, a specific thing like fertility kind of in a vacuum. Um, You know, your body, especially a woman's body, is very sensitive, especially hormonally. And if one system is out of whack, say you've got a leaky gut and you have a lot of digestive issues, um, that can affect the rest of your of your hormone systems. And that can be that could be directly linked to your fertility. Um, if you're not sleeping properly, you know, all of these things are, are connected to hormones. And for women, we're really sensitive. I hate to say it, that we're more sensitive than men in terms of our hormones. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's just true. Um, so, you know, whether you're recovering from pregnancy and or thinking about getting pregnant, the whole approach of functional medicine really kind of um, helps you get to a place where everything is in balance and the likelihood of, you know, recovering is much higher and the likelihood of being really healthy so that you can be fertile and, you know, also make healthy babies is really kind of optimized. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you said recover from pregnancy mm. because I think that, um, you know, there's an expectation for women to bounce back and, mm. you know, I think, um, like whether it's to lose the baby weight or, you know, like there's just like this standard that women are, are sort of required in our culture and our society to just bounce back. And I just love how you sort of referred to it as recovery. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, I do. That's something I'm actually really passionate about. And I think, you know, I had a great pregnancy. I was, um, I was fit. I was, you know, really healthy. Um, I did have morning sickness in the beginning. I, you know, but I was really thankful that I was healthy kind of going into the pregnancy because I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything those first four months that I couldn't really eat anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I did, I was really, I really struggled with that idea. I was, I had kind of a little bit of anxiety about it and I realized that a lot of it was social pressure and, um, looking around in all the tabloids and just, you know, in our culture on Facebook and, Instagram everywhere you look is this kind of that I can't stand this term of body after baby. Um, mm. Oh, and I just felt really like yeah, it's vomitous. It's, <laughs> yeah, I just, like, that was my natural reaction. I kind of laughed yeah, at myself because it, it just me. sort of just, came like, out without even, thinking. I, I can't stand it. Oh. And um, you know, I, I was really 
frustrated because I, you know, while I was pregnant, I felt great. I wanted to, you know, I felt, you know, I wanted to celebrate my body. I wasn't shy. You know, I definitely, you know, posted pictures of my, my babe, like my belly. And I just, I loved it. I loved being pregnant, but I, as soon as I gave birth and afterwards, I was really dreading that time where, you know, you've got the belly is still there, but you're not pregnant. Are people going to think I'm pregnant? It's just like really unhealthy thoughts. And I really stopped myself and I said, wait a minute, like, where is this even coming from? Right. Cause like my husband loved my body. Like I, I, I had barely a belly to speak of after I, I gave birth and I was still like super self-conscious. And I just said, this has got to stop. You know, let's take a step back here. What did my body just do for me? It just, you know, is this amazing vessel for this human that I created and I need to give myself some respect and kudos for that. And after, during that time I was working on, um, uh, you know, we were kind of getting up the the business up and running still. And I was really spending some time thinking about, you know, what I wanted to focus on as a, as a consultant and as kind of a coach for the, for the company. And it dawned on me that that was something that nobody was talking about. Certainly nobody talked about it to me was that the year after you have a baby is your body. It it literally takes 365 days for your body to recover from having a baby, if not more, especially if it's a second, second child. Um, and I had no idea. Like I thought that a couple months would go by and as soon as your tummy was flat again, (laughs) you were good to go. Um, but I didn't understand or know how long it took your hormones to rebalance, um, what it would take for your hormones to rebalance, what it would take for your, you know, your pelvis to move back together, what it would take mm. to, you know, your, for your muscles to recover, all of that. And I really started digging and researching and reading about that. And it's when I realized that we need to change the way women talk to themselves about recovering from birth. We need to change the priorities that women have when they're recovering from birth, um, you know, my goal was to just fully recover and, you know, you become kind of nutrient deplete after you have a baby. And I wanted to replace all of those nutrients. I wanted to um, get really strong. I wanted to be able to, you know, as my daughter grew, I wanted to be able to, you know, carry her. I wanted to be able to play with her. I wanted to be able to move uh, without hurting myself or injury. Um, I'm a cyclist and, um, you know, my first inclination was to, I want to get back on the bike. Like the whole time I was pregnant, I said, you know, my daughter will be born born in the fall. That's when cycle cross season is. I'll probably be able to, um, hop back on my bike after about six weeks. I'll, I'll be able to race that season. And after she was born, you know, I was fit and I felt okay, but I just knew I was like, that is not what my body deserves. Yeah. <laughs> my body does not deserve to be thrown right back into competition. It doesn't deserve to be restricted in any way in terms of, um, you know, what I'm eating or what I'd have to eat in order to be able to compete. Um, you know, that's not my job right now. My job is to take care of myself so that I can take care of my baby. And, um, that's not what I saw around me. I saw a lot of girls and women who I had babies at the same time. We're in a real rush to start running again. We're in a real rush to um, start competing again. And I'm not going to say that there's anything wrong with that, you know, to each their own and, and someone when, you know, for mental health purposes need, need to exercise at that moment in time. And that's, what's kind of buoying them through. But I'd like to make the argument that, um, if we took a couple of minutes to really think about what our, our real goal was, um, I think our priorities would have to shift a little bit in terms of, 
of the choices we made in order to attain that goal. Um, one of the main things that I see when women come to me is their, you know, one of their biggest complaints is they've got, you know, a, a little, a little bit of weight to lose. Um, and they've, you know, they've tried everything, they're athletes, they've, you know, their diet is, is really well dialed and they're doing the testing with us and they're working on some things. And I have to have a lot of conversations with them about, okay, so is the ultimate goal losing this 10 pounds or is it health, like overall health? And is there a chance that maybe your um, idea of body image is coming from a place of, you know, what you looked like 20 years ago or, <laughs> you know, when you were in high school or what were you, you know, really trying to assess where these like deeply rooted goals come from and um, if they're appropriate. And, you know, so for me, after having a baby, I said, okay, my ultimate goal is to be healthy for my daughter, um, healthy for myself, healthy for my family. And what does that mean? And for me, that meant not getting back on the bike right away. It meant focusing on feeding myself really well, um, you know, moving and being active in a way that uh, encouraged recovery, not encouraged burnout or um, for the sole purpose of being strong, not for any purpose of weight loss, not for any purpose of, you know, um, vanity at all. It was purely about strength, right? I wanted to be strong enough to not injure myself when eventually I was ready to do more strenuous exercise. So for me, that meant doing moderate kind of, um, body weight exercises like, like TRX in our living room or, or in our office. And, um, eventually like just about, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, I started doing kettlebells and not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching two years after baby here. So, and I've only been on the bike a handful of times and I certainly probably could have been more aggressive about it, but, um, I, I just didn't feel like it was right. And so I think it's not necessarily about um, what I did or what your best friend did or anything like that. I think it's, I think it literally is about having that conversation with yourself. Okay. Th this is the goal. The goal is to be really healthy and recover from creating this life. And what do I specifically need to do to do that? And if it's take a year off of going to the gym and killing yourself, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's my point is, you know, I'm blabbering, but I think my point is, I want to really encourage women to, you know, stay away from social media, stay away from popular, popular culture um, after you have a baby because it's really bad for your psyche and your most important goal should be healing and nourishing your body so that you can nourish your baby. And ultimately your timeline for your goals should, should be, you know, based on how you feel and um, hopefully largely based on, you know, what you need to, to do to recover instead of how you think you should look or how you looked before you had a baby, um, newsflash bodies change. I mean, it's just, so you've, you've, you've got to, you know, do that kind of internal work, I think, to reestablish a better norm after you have a baby instead of trying to accomplish some kind of unnatural goal that's going to ultimately leave you less healthy than you were before you had a baby. Yeah, I love how you you sort of said you encourage recovery, not burnout, because I feel like you're already so burnt out <laughs> to yeah. begin with that to, you know, then try and, you know, throw yourself back into doing 
intense exercise, if you are burnt out, you know, if you're not sleeping, if you're, you know, feeling really overwhelmed and frazzled. And I think that there's, it takes a while for your hormones to kind of come back into balance too. I think, and everybody's experience, I believe is very different in terms Mm -hmm. of how they recover. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we see this with athletes. We see this, you know, both at the top level and just, you know, your average, you know, weekend competitor, like everybody is at a different level. Everybody has a different, you know, there's definitely things that we all have in common. Don't get me wrong, but largely everyone has a set of individual circumstances that will tell us, you know, their stress level. And we like to talk about kind of a stress budget that everybody has, right. You know, and there's different types of stress. There's emotional stress, there's physical stress. Um, and you know, there's also dietary stress. And those are the three types of stress that we kind of evaluate everyone for when we work with them. And, uh, you know, for athletes, um, for, I would say for moms, for almost anybody, you've got a really kind of limited stress budget because you are using up all of your stress budgets. <laughs> you know, you've imagine. got, <laughs> yeah, you've got a high level of emotional stress. If you, you know, you're in any kind of relationship, most times people have some level of emotional stress or, you know, you've got work stress that can be emotional as well. Physical stress. If you're an athlete or a mom, you're, you're constantly moving. You're constantly, you know, you've got demand on your body at all times. Um, and then dietary stress, you know, if you're, if you're a nursing mom, you're, you're providing nutrients for another living human being. Um, that's a big task (laughs) and, you know, you're already nutrient deplete because of your pregnancy. So we evaluate all those things and we try to manage that stress budget by looking at everything else um, and trying to find things that we can cut out so that you, you know, you, you don't overdo it. Like you've got a manageable level of stress, but that often means that there's not room for killing yourself on the elliptical just to lose, you know, a non-existent, you know, five pounds. that's never going to budge because your hormones are a wreck or, um, you know, not sleeping or not, um, you know, taking care of your circadian rhythm or not meditating. So, you know, looking at all th- all types of stress and trying to cut out all the unnecessary stress or the stress that's just kind of becomes common in people's lives and they think, oh, I can't do anything about it. Well, that's kind of my job. So I help people try to figure out, you know, not only nutritionally, but also other form, you know, other parts of their life. What can we, what's, what's unnecessary here? What can we get rid of to kind of make your life a little bit more manageable? And people are like, well, what does that have to do with losing weight? Or what does that have to do with balancing my hormones? I said, well, it actually has everything to do with it. Because if you have too much, I mean, stress is everything and it's everywhere. And if you can't manage it, um, you're going to have a problem and it's going to, it's going to affect your hormones. It's going to affect your sleep. It's going to affect what you eat. It's going to affect the food choices you make, all of those things. So, um, I think, you know, that's really important to assess that. And, you know, that's what makes us all different because we all have, you know, while we all are are unique and our different, um, the things that are in our lives are unique in terms of what causes us stress, we all face it. And so that's kind of the, what we do is we, we really look at that individual person and we say, okay, let's take a step back and, and what can we cut out? What can we make do to make your stress level actually manageable as opposed to kind of, so you're not in the red <laughs> constantly. Mm-hmm. And I think like comparing yourself to others is like, can really sort of 
contribute to that stress budget, especially in this time. I feel like sometimes like moms can be like so competitive or just compare, maybe not competitive, but just that comparison. And I think so much of that obviously is instilled in the media when you see like celebrities who have like before and after baby. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it can just put so much unnecessary stress and pressure on. And then it just create, like kind of keeps you stuck in this vicious cycle Yeah, there's so much of that. I hate it. I mean, I've seen a lot even since, you know, I have been a mom for only two years, almost two years. But um, even in that short period of time, the thing like, I hate this too, like the mommy wars thing that's like kind of everywhere. And like, you know, the media does it and and moms do it. You know, it's kind of, you know, every, every mom wants the best for their kid. But your choices for your lifestyle and your lifestyle for your kids is constantly pitted up against other moms, other families, other, um, you know, celebrities. <laughs> and it really makes it difficult. And there's, it's really, it's really hard to not fall into that trap, to not, you know, question what you're doing and question, you know, if you're good enough, if you're, you know, smart enough, if you've got enough money, if you've, you know, the latest and greatest and, and for that not to bleed over into your, your image of yourself and, and feeling, you know, positive or negative about your parenting, your body image, all of those things, it's all wrapped up in there for a woman because that's your job, right? You know, it's like, if you're a mom, your family is your job, even if you work full time outside of the home. Um, and so you don't get away from that. And so it's very easy to feel, judged and compared and (laughs) not Mm -hmm. like you don't measure up. And I think, um, working with people opened my eyes to that a lot, you know, cause it's, um, it's very easy to feel alone and like you're the only one feeling that way. But when, you know, talking to women all the time now, I realize it's just everywhere. Everybody feels that at some point. And so trying to decide, you know, I, I think the best, my my best advice, I guess, for it is to, you know, when you decide on your path and you decide what your main goal is, and for most of the women I work with, it's to be healthy and have a healthy family, um, you know, really working on what that looks like, being really kind of concrete and um, specific about what that means to them and naming it and owning it and working towards that goal specifically and um, with real kind of gusto. Um, really helps because, you know, you can focus on that and you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what um, Kim Kardashian is doing because I have this plan and this is my plan and this is how I'm going to get there. And these are the things that I'm going to do to get there. And this is what it's going to look like when I get there. Um, It's very difficult to be distracted when you've got this very clear kind of picture painted for yourself, especially when it's realistic. Um, And I think that's important because, that's what takes the work, right? It takes some time, it takes some effort. And I definitely recommend, you know, talking to somebody else about this. Um, because a lot of times I think we get very much in our own head about something we want and it's not necessarily the most realistic yes, <laughs> thing yes. or appropriate thing, you know, because like we've just talked about, we're influenced by all of these things. So I think it's important to talk to a coach or a mentor or anybody, um, that can help you kind of create this realistic goal or journey or path for yourself and your family. You know, your spouse should probably be involved in the conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's other people involved. I think 
you know, I think that's a, a great way of approaching it is the more specific and realistic you can be about what it is you want and going after it. I think that's much more important than these kind of false kind of idealized images that we get in our head when we are looking around at everybody else instead of really kind of looking inward and um, focusing on what we want specifically to achieve, especially when it comes to our health. Yes. And I think that support piece is so important, um, you know, in terms of having a good support network of people who, who kind of share the same, you know, feelings as you and can, and can, and are people that you can lean on, especially through that time after having, you know, that initial phase when you just have the newborn, I think it can be a little bit isolating if you're sort of home all the time with, with, with a newborn. And it, I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I think you can get inside your own head quite a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, was there anything that you did to sort of create that, you know, that network or community for yourself? You know, I think, um, you know, at the time we were living a couple of hours away from my family and we didn't move closer to them until Ivy was almost nine or 10 months old. And so, um, I didn't have a lot of like other friends that were moms up around me. Most of my friends live closer to my family and, um, a lot of my girlfriends weren't having babies at that time, at least the girlfriends that live close to me. So it was a little bit isolating. I think, the thing that really probably helped was um, the business because I, w- I did get to talk to a lot of people at that time. I was doing a lot of consulting and talking to a lot of women and, um, you know, but I, I also, you know, talked to my mom a lot and, you know, even my best friend who didn't have a baby, I made sure to kind of, she was very helpful just in listening, you know, talking to her, just kind of telling her what was going on and relaying kind of the, the boring monotony of the first couple of months where the baby doesn't really do anything. And mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of, but they're completely and totally relying on you. And um, so I, but I think that that was, um, you know, I, I definitely could have probably done that better and, uh, and re- reached out or at least you know, I think looking back, I, I wish I would have maybe joined like some kind of a group or something. I kind of felt a little bit like I didn't want to at the time for whatever reason. I felt like, you know, I felt isolated for a lot of reasons, just like geographically. So I felt like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a hard time finding anybody that's on my same wavelength. And we've made all these quirky, quirky lifestyle decisions. And <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to be judged for any of that. Yeah. Um, but I think looking back now, I realize that a lot of women are all feeling the same way. And if we could just reach out just a little bit, I think you or you know realize that a, like you you're not alone, and there are lots of other women that are feeling isolated. And the lifestyle stuff doesn't really matter at that point. You just need a couple of people to talk to that understand what it's like to not have sleep for six weeks. Yes. Um, <laughs> to have wow. a couple of delirious conversations about um, having a newborn. So, yeah, I think that community is important, even if it's just one person or your mom or a best friend, or, you know, obviously your spouse should probably be included in that. Um, Mm -hmm. or your partner should be included in that, um, (laughs) equation (laughs) because, you know, but even that, you know, I felt like he's never had a baby. He doesn't understand, (laughs) you know? So, um, but yeah, reaching out to, to somebody for that kind of support afterwards, I think is really important. Even if you feel great, even if you're on top of the world and, um, you know, feeling really great and healthy and, um, unstoppable, I still think it's important to, you know, sync up with, with somebody and make sure that you're, 
you're not, you know, ignoring <laughs> anything or, or skipping over some feelings because they're hard, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so how important, I know, cause I know you've mentioned you're an athlete and you were a cyclist and mm-hmm. even just when you were, um, trying to get pregnant or pregnant or afterwards, like how important was it for you to kind of listen to your body and, and like, how did you decide to sort of back off of those physical endeavors? Um, well for me, I just, gosh, you know, I really wanted to keep cycling while I was pregnant and I tried, um, definitely stopped once the belly got in the way that, and my midwife just kind of forbade me, um, mostly cause she didn't want me to fall off the bike. So <laughs> that's switched, a, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So I switched to swimming, um, while I was pregnant and that was great. I went a couple of times a week and, and swam and laid in the sun and it was, it was really wonderful. Um, I think that that's a great activity for women to do when they're pregnant by the way, but, um, yeah, I just kind of went with the flow while I was pregnant and just decided to kind of just let it be um, what it was. And I mean, I kept moving mostly because it felt good. Um, and swimming was great because you're weightless. And when you're pregnant, feeling weightless is like the greatest thing in the world. So I spent a lot of time in the pool. Um, and then afterwards, I kind of did make a conscious decision to not kill myself. And I think largely that came from the fact that we had just started this business and we were seeing, you know, case after case after case of people with adrenal fatigue who were athletes. And I just thought to myself, gosh, you know, if I've just had a baby, this is going to be amplified by, you know, to the 10th degree. And, um, not only that, but I had done some testing. So I did, you know, an adrenal stress profile and I was, you know, a stage three and, and our mentor and a doctor who trained us, you know, said, well, this is really common for somebody that's just had a baby. Like you've had all of your nutrients depleted. Your hormones are a disaster. Like it's going to take you a long time to just kind of get back to normal. And it's not that I didn't know that, you know, I couldn't just stop and think about how I felt or what, you know, logically, but seeing that test result really helped because I just said to myself, look, you have, you have a ways to go before you recover from this. It's no time to run a marathon. Just like I would tell any client who came to me with like stage three adrenal fatigue, this is probably not time to try to break your world record. Like this is probably time to rest and recover and do your body a favor, calm down. And, you know, maybe in six months to a year, we can, we can talk about this again. And so that's one of the reasons that testing I think becomes really important is because for some people who are very driven and athletes, most of them are, um, unless you see it on paper, you're going to find a way to talk yourself into training or working really hard or restricting yourself in some way. Um, because you want to meet that goal or you want to attain that next PR or you want to, you know, beat your best, time on your next, you know, half marathon or whatever, no matter how small the event is or how little, how, how non-competitive you think you are, most people, most athletes, um, and driven people, women after baby who want to get their body back, um, they're going to make decisions that are contrary to rest and recovery. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons I do encourage testing is because for some people seeing it on paper and knowing that, you know, kind of assessing how much recovery they actually need to do is really important because if they if they hadn't seen it on paper they would have kind of talked themselves into feeling better than they actually were. So um I don't I think I probably would have made the choice anyway had I not seen the test result but it really confirmed it for me. Um you know this is not a time to try to rush 
getting back on the bike. This is not a time to think about, um, you know, restricting my, my food or my calories in any way, shape or form. I need all the calories, the health, you know, the healthy calories I can get the nourishing, nutritionally dense food that I can get to kind of get back to, you know, restock all my nutrient stores that I've just given this baby, you know, I need those back. (laughs) Um, so that was the, the, the decision for me was, was made pretty easily. Um, and I just decided to do what I felt like, and I felt like walking. So I, we did a lot of walking, my daughter and I, in the first, you know, six months. And, um, you know, I started doing body weight exercises kind of immediately just because it felt good because it was stretching and it was, um, it you know, it was just a little bit of endorphins. Um, felt really good to kind of just get my heart pumping a little bit without doing any cardio. It was just, you know, body weight exercises with the TRX in our house. So it was just like gentle squats and just kind of... Um, you know, using just my body weight to just get a little bit of a, um, of a workout felt really good. And then, like I said, just a few months ago, starting to do the kettlebells and Turkish get-ups and that kind of thing. And I've been on the bike a few times. So, um, but that's it. And, you know, now that summer again, I'll probably start swimming again. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe next year I'll, I'll get back into competing on, on the bike a little bit, but I'm not in a hurry. Um, I feel really good. I, I certainly don't necessarily have the same body composition I did before I had Ivy, but I'm on my way there, I guess, but it's, it's not part of the goal. Um, and I don't mean to say that, like, I've changed my goals just to suit, you know, what I look like right now. Um, it's just a different conversation than I have with myself. Is, Is there a few pounds that I would like to probably lose eventually? Yeah, definitely. Um, if I'm honest, but am I beating myself up about it? No, I'm not. And, um, I'm just, you know, going to choose another activity to do. I'm going to work out a little bit more. So I've just kind of gradually increased the activity level. And, um, but, you know, my main focus has been on really nutrient dense foods and sleep. Um, cause sleep is really hard commodity when you're a parent of a small child. Um, so, you know, trying to move things around to make sure that I'm getting all the sleep that I need, even if it means that, you know, I'm not getting a straight eight hours of sleep, I'm in bed for 12 hours so that I can get as much sleep as I possibly can, even if I'm not asleep the whole time. So, um, you know, my husband and I have moved things around and, and try to make it possible for me to get as much sleep as possible because that's really hugely important for recovery. Um, and, you know, getting help with Ivy. So making sure that I'm getting time for myself during the week, both to do work for the business, but also to, you know, go get a pedicure or take a nap or (laughs) go for a walk by myself or take a shower by myself. Um, (laughs) yeah, I was going to ask you about self-care. So (laughs) yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's a huge part of recovery and just, you know, both mentally and physically, you know, we need, I love, I, I, I love spending all day every day with Ivy, but having a couple hours a week to um, just turn off that mom brain and, uh, you know, and I started sewing again. I haven't, you know, that, that's been a huge, like a creative outlet has been great. Um, drawing and painting has been really good for me too. So just finding a couple of things that you can do to give yourself back something is really important because when you're a mom and a wife, like, it's pretty difficult to do that unless you make specific time for it. So, um, but it's, it's hugely important. And a lot of people don't count that in the equation of, of health. And, 
it should be regardless of whether or not you're a parent, but when you're a mom, especially, and you're trying to recover or you're trying to, you know, become a mom, (laughs) you build that into your life. You know, we, we recommend to everyone, men and women, um, parent or not parent, you know, stress reduction is, has got to be a priority. Like if you want health, you have to prioritize health. And that means reducing stress, but also, you know, changing the way you look at your life. Um, if it, if it's important to you, you will make time for it. So a lot of people, like the first question I have to ask them is like, Oh, if you're sleep, are you sleeping? And they're like, yeah, I have kind of a hard time. Like, are you even allowing yourself enough time to sleep? Like, are you turning off your cell phone a couple hours before bed? Are you turning off the TV? Are you allowing your time yourself time to not be connected to anything? Are you, um, you know, not working till, you know, eight o'clock at night and then coming home and trying to eat dinner at 10 o'clock at night, you know, that's not allowing yourself time to sleep or proper time to prepare to sleep. So you have, if you want something, if you want to be able to sleep well, you have to do the things necessary to allow yourself to sleep well. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like, so making those choices and giving your, allowing yourself the time and the space to do things that will help you reduce stress, will help you sleep, will help you make better choices about food or, um, just, you know, because a lot of times we make bad choices about what we're eating or just, you know, we don't make choices we'd like to make about, about food because we're overtired and we haven't slept well and our, and we just can't think, we can't think straight, literally. Um, and that's a big point for a lot of people is they just say, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just have all these cravings all of a sudden. And I'm just like, well, are you sleeping? <laughs> and a lot of times the answer is no. Or are you making time for meditation? And the answer is no. And, you know, all of those things, it's, it's mostly about the approach, you know, are, if you're not making time for it, it's never going to happen. So, um, that's, that's a huge part of it. It is a huge part of it. And I think that, um, it's really hard. I I find at least with the women I work with, it's really hard for them to ask for help. And there's a lot of guilt associated with doing things for self care. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any advice on how to how you overcame that or how you help women to sort of overcome that guilt or that that feeling of like I can't ask for help. I need to I need to manage all of this on my own and then and therefore, you know, I can't fill my cup because yeah. I, I don't have time. Yeah, I think um that's another reason that I think you know, testing has been kind of a, a huge thing for a lot of people because they didn't really realize how much stuff they actually needed to work on. You know, they mm. already were overwhelmed. They were already feeling kind of crappy. And then they saw on paper what it was they actually needed to achieve in terms like to get to health. Yeah. And for a lot of women, I think that's actually a really great thing because that's a tool that you can say, okay, not only, you know, you can verify it and validate it for yourself. Like, wow, this is actually you know, this is a big deal. This is stuff I, I need to, to do in order to be healthy. Um, it's something to allow you to have that conversation to say, look, this is what I have to take care of. Like this isn't, this isn't just me feeling, you know, lazy or, <laughs> you know, feeling like selfish or something selfish like that. or anything like that. No, this is, this is a real thing. This is, you know, these are my, these are my micronutrient deficiencies. This is my adrenal status. This is, you know, I have this infection X, Y, Z. Um, not that everybody does, but for some people, I think that's, that's one way to do it is to, you know, my husband was a computer scientist and, you know, any kind of scientist or engineer or anybody oriented to that will know that, you know, if there's a problem, so say for example, my husband used to work for a hedge fund and, um, 
if there was something wrong with the system that he was monitoring as a computer programmer, um, if he didn't fix it, they could lose, or if he didn't catch it fast enough, they could lose millions of dollars in a very short period of time. And, you know, if you find a problem or a bug in that system, like you need to not just wonder what it is, you need to fix it (laughs) because it could very well become a very big problem very quickly. And I think, we need to have that kind of same approach with our bodies and the way we think about our health and how we care about ourselves. If you notice something, if you know something is wrong, or if you feel like you're doing everything right and there's still something nagging at you, figure out what the heck is going on. Like, like we wouldn't, you wouldn't want to leave a small, like a small fire going and turn into a giant wildfire. Like, why don't we deal with these things before they become really big problems? And, um, I think, you know, for women and for, you know, for everyone, I think that it's really important to, um, you know, asking for help isn't, you know, we need help. Like I don't have all the answers. My husband doesn't have all the answers. Um, working together is, is really important. Having somebody else to, to listen to what's going on with you, but also, you know, review results or come up with a game plan, help you figure out kind of how to get to where you want to go or roadmap is, is really important. And, um, I think one of the easiest ways to ask for help is to just, you know, talk about what's going on with you right now and talk about where you, what you would, you know, what's different about where you want to be, what do you, what's lacking, what's missing. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people just, just looking at that is it makes it much easier to say, okay, well, if this is where I am and this is where I want to be, what's, what's the difference between those two things? And then it becomes a lot more tangible. The process to get there becomes a lot easier to navigate. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just, I'm looking through the realm of functional medicine here, but that's one of the ways that the testing becomes really useful is because we say, okay, this is where we are. This is where we want to be. What do we have to do to get there? And there's a lot of probably several lifestyle things that can be optimized to help you get there. And then there's probably a few things in terms of supplementation that can help you get there. Um, but then, you know, even without applying functional medicine, a lot of people are doing all the right things and they just like, there's a last 10 to 15% and that they're not accomplishing that they want to accomplish. And that's all it takes is a little bit of investigative work. And sometimes it's as simple as the sleep thing, or sometimes it's as simple as starting to meditate, or sometimes it's as simple as, um, you know, removing refined carbohydrates, or (laughs) sometimes it's as simple as, um, you know, really just assessing the goal, the goal in the first place. So, um, but yeah, asking for help and taking that step back and, um, and trying to get that roadmap, I think is, is really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in my own experience, the testing was probably the most impactful thing for me personally as well, mm-hmm. because, um, I just, it, I would have just kept kind of ignoring that I was really driving myself into the ground (laughs) and I would have refused to, you know, eat carbohydrates and eat more food and turn down my exercise quite a few notches had I not seen like the, the actual results of the test that showed like the late stages of adrenal fatigue and the hormonal imbalances. So you're absolutely right that that can sort of be 
I hate to call it a wake-up call, but um, for people who are kind of like me, and like you said, that like athletic frame of mind who are driven, and Mm -hmm. I I don't even, mine wasn't athletic, it was just more of a crazy person's frame of mind at the time, but um, (laughs) I didn't want to listen to anybody else, like I, you know, and so it was, it was that test that was, it was super helpful for me, so Mm -hmm. um, it's good that you, that you bring that up, and I think, you know, just, I feel like, you know, weakness can sometimes just be you know, weakness isn't weakness. It's really just vulnerability and we're all mm-hmm. vulnerable and we all need help sometimes. And that's a beautiful thing when we can actually ask for that help. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we're getting close to the hour here, which is crazy because I know <laughs> went by really fast, but, um, as we wrap things up here, the last question I ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? fearless thing that I've done and that Um, usually means like the scariest thing that you've done (laughs) mm, give birth (laughs) yeah that would be it for sure (laughs) and maybe it's cliche but um yeah that was a real mental trip um for me and uh definitely my proudest moment for sure were you, of myself like were you just, all natural were you an all natural birth? I was and yeah I was really um Ooh, that is scary. I mean I I approached it from the very beginning like the second I got pregnant I was like I really, I want to read everything I can read like I want to I want I studied it like I just I, I threw myself into it and I just kind of had a mantra about it and I just decided that this is what I was going to do and I did it and I think it was um it was a really powerful experience and um for me, that was definitely a big deal because I am a wimp. I'm a really big wimp when it comes to pain. So. Yeah, I'm not so sure I could take that on. So I, I do applaud any any woman, regardless of whether they yeah. they, they take drugs or not during labor. It's, yeah, it's no, no judgment. Fearless. But I just decided that this was the one time I wasn't going to wimp out, and I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to allow, you know, whatever happened happened. And, you know, I wasn't going to obviously like you, you're not in control of the whole situation, but I decided as far as I was concerned, I wasn't gonna, um, I wasn't going to wuss out and I, I didn't, and I was really, really proud of myself. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where can people find more of you? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I am the food scientist at Nourish Balance Thrive, um, with my husband and we have a registered nurse that works with us as well. And we're partnered with a medical doctor. So, nourishbalancethrive.com is where you can find out more of us. Um, and we offer a free 15 minute consultation. If you're considering working with a functional medicine practitioner or just want to know more about it, um, there's that. And I do coaching. Um, and that's it. I mean, nourishbalancethrive.com is the best place to, to find out more about us. Yeah. Well, I just, I love your gentle, sane approach. If I could sort of <laughs> describe it in one way in terms Thank of you. what you that's said, it's, that. um, it's just, it's really refreshing. And, um, I really thank you for all of your wisdom and insights and just sharing so much of your kind of your personal experience. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's really nice to see somebody, uh, a practitioner that's really, you know, taking such a balanced approach in terms of looking at physical, emotional, you know, spiritual, like all the elements that contribute to our health and well-being. And so, that is very kind. Thank, thank you. Very you. Much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Julie. Sure. It was great chatting with you. Rock on.
If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. Until next time, rock on. 